0: There's a link in the show notes, or if you're an Instagram user, just message me, Three Steps. That's the number three, S-T-E-P-S, and I'll send you that link. Let today be the day you get started. Welcome to Measure Twice, Cut Once, the podcast about life and business lessons from a quilter's point of view. I grew up making quilts alongside my mom and the traditional methods, cutting with scissors and cardboard templates, sewing without the benefit of squaring up, and then of course hand quilting. Fast forward a few years and these days I can be found behind my long arm Lucy, either quilting or teaching the art of quilting entirely freehand. Quilting has become my livelihood and it is still my joy. Measure Twice, Cut Once will bring you stories from my own experiences, lessons learned, and crafting journeys from other makers as well. Today's guest is Jen Giesbrecht. Are you an entrepreneur and know you need to communicate with your people, but writing emails is just so laborious? I get it. The blank screen mental block is real. I use Flowdesk as the email service provider in my own business. It offers a truly elegant support system. Their email templates are beautifully designed and ready for you to personalize with your colors and logo. So are you sending newsletters, sales and specials, new offerings? Easy peasy. Just choose the template for the job and plug in your own details. So much of the writing has been done for you. So it's a much simpler matter to fine tune it to just be in your voice. No more staring at the screen. And honestly, Flowdesk is more than just an email service provider. They offer segmentation for organizing your contacts, landing pages for new offerings, workflows to automate all kinds of tasks, and they've recently added an optional checkout page for e-commerce sales, seamlessly integrated to your existing email list. And what's even better, there are no pricing tiers based on how many contacts you have, so the price never goes up. For a limited time, you can get Flowdesk on your team for only $19.99 per month using the coupon link I've attached in the show notes. It's the best virtual assistant ever. All right, on to pins and needles with a quick tip for all you sharp quilters out there. My tip for you today, find community. Whether you're a longarm quilter, as my guest Jen and I are, and want to be able to talk shop with other long-armers, or you're a quilt maker who loves applique or vintage, Or gosh, if you're an underwater basket weaver, find like-minded people. Look for local or online guilds, Facebook groups, hosted projects like Sew Alongs. These points of connection keep your creative juices flowing. They introduce you to tools and techniques you otherwise might never meet. Sometimes they challenge you. And they're just plain great for your mental and emotional health. Do it. My guest today is Jen Giesbrecht also known as Jen G. Quilt Co. Jen took up quilting during a long season of waiting to adopt their son from Ethiopia. She worked in a quilt shop for many years to support her fabric buying habit and gradually grew from quilting on a frame-mounted sewing machine to a bells and whistles computerized long-arm quilting machine. I'm really looking forward to hearing about her journey and how quilting and building a business has been part of her personal growth. Let's welcome her now. Welcome, Jen, to the podcast. So glad you could join me.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Susan.
0: You are a fellow Canadian, so we're just going to let our Canadian accents run crazy today. (laughs) (laughs) I don't live in Canada anymore, but I'm told I still sound like one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I don't even actually necessarily know I have an accent. So that's interesting that you say that.
0: You know, and I don't think of that either. And obviously living in the U.S., there's a, an incredibly broad range of accents. But I think for Canadians, we like we phrase things as questions. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> That's a very Canadian thing. We say, I'm sorry, all the time. Those sorts <laughs> yes. of things are universal. <laughs> all right. So I'm I'm wanting to know, Jen, what's a bit of your backstory? How did you get into quilting or sewing? What brought you into that world?
1: Um. I had just uh, got married and um, I was, I quit my last job. We were planning on starting our family and um, we happened to be left with the decision of adopting our son. And so during that wait, uh, it was a long wait, um, we actually, um, yeah, it was a long wait. But uh,
0: by, by long wait, are we talking weeks, months, years?
1: Years. Wow. <laughs> it, it ended up being about a four, four plus year wait. Wow. Um, lots of difficulties came within that adoption, just making it more challenging than other adoptions. But um, we were adopting our son from Ethiopia, actually. So um, internationally, it just makes it a little bit more challenging. I'm sure so, it does. When, when I started that weight, I was like, I've tried a whole bunch of crafts and hobbies before, like, um, embroidery and cross stitch, um, stained glass making, crocheting, knitting, I was, I tried all of them. And uh, my mom was a quilter. And uh, so I thought, well, I'm gonna give quilting a try. And my mom said, Are you sure? And I said, Yep but it sounds fun. And so she helped me purchase my little tiny $200 brother machine. And uh, I bought a book from a Michael's craft shop uh, store on how to quilt. And so I just dove right in. And that's how quilting started for me. And that would probably have been in 2006, I believe. So so,
0: so did it do what you were hoping for? Did it use up some of that time for you and keep your mind off the waiting process?
1: Absolutely. (laughs) It was it was so much fun. I loved every aspect of it right from the beginning. I found it um, intricate and challenging, and uh, it just kept the mind busy. It was a form of therapy. So
0: I mean, we all say quilting is our therapy, but it's really interesting to see. All the different ways that it helps people. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) So I went into my local quilt shop at the time. And I joked around with um, them saying that if I was going to continue this hobby, I might need a job again. (laughs) (laughs) And so they said, are you being serious about that? And I said, yeah, sure. So I had an interview and I was hired. I believe in 2007. So I started working there and um, I actually just quit working there. I believe it was last year. I don't have dates in front of me. (laughs) I should have wrote them down, but I worked there for about 14 years. So um, it wasn't a full-time job. It was just a part-time job enough to actually pay for my fabric, really. (laughs) But... (laughs) um, it was it was so fantastic just to m- meet other quilters. It didn't matter what age you were. Like, you could be uh, 20 years old and just start quilting or 80 years old and come in quilting. It was just anybody that came in, you had that common, similar I- item. So Let's call it a thread.
0: Let's call it a common thread.
1: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> common thread. That's a good one. So... Yeah, I worked there. I loved helping everybody. Um, uh, Now getting into my long arm quilting, I purchased a small mid-arm from my boss at that time. Um, So
0: can I interrupt for a second for our listeners in case they don't know? A mid-arm is usually a sit-down type machine, right? And and the arm length refers to how long that throat space is.
1: Right. So I guess... This one, I call it a mid-arm just because it was a smaller mid-arm. It was like, um, it was still on a frame, actually. Oh, so, okay. And I might throat- be
0: wrong in that. That might yeah. not That might <laughs> not I'm link it I to wrong. sit down. I, I, I might be too. I don't know.
1: <laughs> but um, it was like a Janome 1600P. It was just a small little tiny machine. It had about a seven, nine-inch kind of throat space in there. And it was on a little tiny grace frame. And so my... Uh, my muscle memory ended up being very small. (laughs) It was a kind of like a
0: short memory,
1: five inch little memory. So when I actually started, um, long arming on a bigger machine, my muscle memory was still really tiny. (laughs) So, and it was just a little hand guided machine. Um, it was frustrating, but I still enjoyed it. It was still fun. And, um, So I decided to start renting a long arm machine from a APQS dealer and um, just to try out what the big ones were like, because I thought, well, that, you know, it could be fun just seeing what difference there is with that. And I was hooked immediately. I loved it. So um, I started that in 2017. 18, <laughs> now my years are kind of getting all mixed up. And I rented for about a year and a half before I purchased my big long arm. And so and that was a APQS Lenny. So it's still the smaller throat space, has about 16 inches of throat space in there. And I, because I rented for a year and a half, I was very confident in what I was doing. Um, there was no hesitation in that I was good at it. and. I thought, yep, I can do this for customers. So for the first uh, year of my business, year and a couple months, I was hand guided with a laser light in the back. So I would buy um, long pantographs that were about 120 inches wide on paper. And there's a little laser light. And so I would trace, it's almost like tracing. And so I was edge to edge with the laser light hand-guided, and I was really good at it. I was confident in that. Um, then I upgraded in just last year, I believe, it, to uh, using a computer-based edge-to-edge. So it's a IQ, which is just the computerized
0: so system I'm, for it. I'm so, so curious because I, I'm the first to admit that using a digital system like that is an entirely different skill set from the one that I use. I'm I'm hand guided, but I quote from the from the front of the machine. So literally doodling, I don't have a pattern at all. But what you do has has a whole nother level of skills. So I'm curious, like what what did you have to learn? What did you find most challenging about that? You know, is it the repeats and getting things to line up? Or is it like I know there's difficulties to using digital designs. It's not just push a button and go. So what did you have to learn about that?
1: Um. Really, it was just the precision detail of it and learning a new computer system that is totally foreign to me. So um, the person that I purchased the IQ from had a lot of um, YouTube videos on how to like that was with that classes that came with the IQ. And so I watched those Um couple times over (laughs) and uh then i just started playing right away after it was installed so um lineup is very tricky and um you have to make sure that if it's a very detailed pantograph especially the geometrical ones that you're lining up things very precisionly. which is something that when you're hand guided you don't have to have that exact precision. Exactly.
0: You you can fudge it as you go. You just get to decide where the needle and the stitching goes. But, you know, I can just imagine that because I know that you're working with fabric, which is not flat and crisp like a piece of paper. It moves. And in particular, when you're quilting it, it kind of pulls together. So the area that's quilted wants to pull a little tighter. And then the new area that you're about to quilt is not that same size. So I imagine that is one of your chief skills is learning how to make that. At all line up and fit.
1: Absolutely, yep.
0: <laughs> um, do you do you produce any digital patterns, or, or or not? Do you just use ones that are made by others?
1: Just ones that are made by others, Um, it becomes almost an addiction in itself. So, like buying fabric is an addiction for a lot of quilters. Well, buying pantographs is an addiction as well. So,
0: I (laughs) bet it is.
1: I have to set it. Keep to it.
0: (laughs) I just find it fascinating that. Like for me, up until about 10 years ago, you know, I made quilts alongside my mom, but it was, you know, very traditional and I wasn't in the industry at all. So I'm incredibly fascinated with all these different types of things that people do. And we just alluded to designing digital patterns. Like that is yet another skill set, which is part of the quilting industry. There's people out there that do that and do a great job at it. That's not my skill set either. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, thinking a little more about your business because quilting is a business for me too and I wonder Jen how you balance if that's the right word I know it's kind of an overused one but how do you manage you know quilting being your livelihood now but still keeping the creativity and the joy of it alive do you have you know time for personal projects or do you go on retreats or how do you how do you deal with that
1: Um, I try to make time for personal projects um, but (laughs) they're fewer now so uh, just because it it is spent more time on the business especially as my business is growing um, there's just it's starting to be less and less time so I'm starting to realize that I might actually have to schedule time to have that personal sewing and uh, right now it's that's a fine line. It's it's kind of, you know, fabric has been sitting on my table for a while. And I'm like, yeah, I want to get to that. I want to get to that. But um, business and customers come first. So which I still enjoy. It's a different kind of creative process, right? It's not sitting down at my small machine. It's it's standing up in front of my big machine. So it's just a different mindset that you get into.
0: That's so true. And I You know, I do think it's critical to actually carve out that time for your personal projects. But also, in my experience anyway... The things that I find fun have changed a little bit. Like to me, you know, once I got into um, making quilting my business, the fun of growing a business became another hobby, if you will, right? You and I have talked before about, you know, marketing or using social media or or what you want to present or what customers you want to attract. All of that is kind of a hobby, too, don't you find? Or is it that way for you?
1: Yeah, when I first started, like, if we're kind of leaning into the social media direction, I really love Instagram. I just, that's kind of a zoning out method for me to watch other people. So um, I loved seeing their pictures and their stories. And um, that was kind of what I did in the morning when I first woke up is get my cup of coffee and sit down and and watch Instagram and see what's going on. Um, And while the pandemic was just starting to hit... And I had just started my business a year previously, um, and I still very not few not very many customers yet. I'm my area that I'm in is a smaller town, and um, there is actually the closest city is, is like 15 minutes away, but there's still quite a few long arm quilters there. So it was challenging to try to grow my business. So. As a business person, I thought, well, how am I going to do this and make it achievable so I can continue to grow my business during the pandemic? And I've watched other people on Instagram and um, they were just doing stories and, you know, (laughs) talking about their business and talking about whatever. And um, I was very nervous to do that. But I thought, well, who are you going to trust and who are you going to send your quilts to someone that you don't know at all and maybe just see a few pretty pictures or someone that you actually feel like you have a relationship with on doing stories and so I thought well it that's not going to just happen by itself so I'm going to need to learn to to take a jump and (laughs) just start these Instagram stories and see where it takes me so it's been fun it's been when I first started doing it it was kind of dread because I'm a person that does not like cameras like I wasn't even talking on like a video or doing zoom calls or google meets or whatever that that wasn't me even like I wouldn't even FaceTime my husband because I just (laughs) didn't like that camera looking at me but I thought no this is what I need to do to grow my business and um you have to decide what what you want more the fear to set in or if you want your business to grow and for me, that came that my, I wanted my business to grow. That so is such,
0: I, such a good point, Jen. Like, what do you want more? Because it becomes worthwhile. Do you do you think that it has caused you to grow like as a person, coming out of your shell a little bit or stepping out into learning something new that you weren't comfortable in before? Does that make you a better person, too?
1: I think so. Uh, I am an awkward introvert. <laughs> so it's it was challenging for me to just get out there and speak my mind and just kind of say how I felt and, and um, just being myself. And I found that it was actually easier on Instagram to, because I didn't see the hundreds of people watching me. I just saw myself. So (laughs) I just decided, Hey, I'm going to push and plow through some stories and do them and see how I do. And, you know, at first, it wasn't very many people watching. And, and then more and more and more people started watching. And I realized, well, like, it's not all my followers. But if I was to be in a classroom with this many people, that'd be a lot of people with eyes on me watching me and and they're staying interested in my stories. So I thought, well, I'll just continue. So (laughs) the the more I show my face on Instagram, the more people watch. So,
0: And certainly the more you get comfortable. I didn't know you back in you know, your earlier days, but when I look at your stories now, you look like a pro and I look at them and think, huh, how'd she do that? So you're doing a great job.
1: <laughs> Thank you.
0: So you talked just briefly about where you're located. You're in Southern Alberta, Canada, in a yep. rural area. So what, yeah. what kinds of challenges has that presented and how have you faced them? Like, have you gone purposely and looked for a million customers or what are some of the ways that you have coped with that?
1: Um, it's right now, generally by word of mouth that I kind of can grow my business. Um, what I've tend to realize when I first started my business, and it actually came about from working in a quilt shop, is um Customers would come into the quilt shop and they would actually complain about the long arm quilter that did a certain um, long arm pantograph or even custom quilting. And they would complain about it. And I said, Well, did the long arm quilter explain to you that this is why they had to do that? And they said, No. And I was like, Wow. So the first time I actually didn't want to be a long arm quilter because I was scared that not people would wouldn't like me <laughs> <That's not a laughs> the people would quilter. complain
0: about you at the next quilting shop yeah,
1: exactly <laughs> but what I actually realized is there's kind of a a myth that like piecers have and what long armors do so I think long armors get really comfortable in their job and they forget to explain why they need certain things to happen um, in order to produce certain like, um, outcomes, right? Like we say we need a certain amount of fabric to attach onto the frame or the backing fabric. And, um, one lady was complaining that it wasn't the center The like the center that she had created was a different kind of quilt and the quilter didn't do that dead center in the middle. And I said, well, they have to attach it onto their frame a certain way and I said, so sometimes that means that they push up the batting and the quilt up to the very top of the frame. So it's not going to be centered. It's 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 a different way of, of quilting than how you see other people doing it, like laying down the backing on the ground, laying the backing, and then laying the top. You can see and you can put things dead center. But for long arm quilters,
0: the whole thing is not visible at once. Mm hmm
1: exactly because we're rolling and we're stretching and we're moving different things and we're clamping things on so um unless a person actually says i want this dead in the center of the quilt you know that communication is lost between a long arm quilter and um and a customer so when i started my business i realized i'm going to be that gap so I'm going to be the person that tells a person why I need to do something a certain way. So it's not um, they get their quilt back and they're disappointed because a long arm quilter didn't explain their process with them. So um, even nowadays, like back when long arms were without computer based, you were paper pantographs, so you were limited to the size that you were doing, or you were custom, so you can do it any size you want to. But oftentimes, what I realized is that a long arm custom, like a long arm quilter, just kind of um, would do their job, like just because it was set for them in a certain way. But now that computers are available, and that's what I use, um, oftentimes a long arm quilter doesn't actually ask the customer, okay, do you like smaller, denser quilting or larger, looser quilting? And I find that the more I ask that of different customers, the more they're actually surprised about that because that option has never been given to them. So How interesting. I feel like that's my job is to make sure that those questions are being asked. And then when a quilt is given back, um, oftentimes I will go over things with that customer if they're local and they're picking up. Um, I'll explain why certain things happened during the quilting process as well. So,
0: I so agree with you. Communication is absolutely key. I mean, just while you're telling those stories, others are coming to mind for me, but you think of um, you know, quilts that have directional fabrics or seams in a particular direction. If there's not communication between the two of you, Um, It can be very difficult, and from the quilter's point of view, you know, we're often quilting one, taking it down, loading the next one, processing through them, and we don't step back and look at them, and maybe that's something we need to learn, but do you know what I mean? It is so helpful to have top labeled, or I want this part centered, or I mean, sometimes it's just as simple as putting your name on the bag because you have no idea how many quilts go through, you know, our doors in a week's time. And it's just, I know the quilt is precious to you, but it's the first time I've seen it and next week I might not remember it's yours. So label it. But it all comes down to communication, doesn't it?
1: Yes. And sometimes even the customer doesn't realize something like um, they have a, a run, like a fabric run in their fabric and they never saw it. So I always try to evaluate the quilt top and the backing before it's even loaded onto my machine because oftentimes I will take a picture and I will message the customer saying, this is what's happened onto the back of your quilt or the front of your quilt. Uh, Would you like me to fix it? Would you like me to proceed long arm quilting? Because also I don't want to assume anything. So if they they are fine with something happening on the back of their quilt, oh, just quilt it, it's fine. Or some people will say, yeah, if you don't mind fixing that for me, that would be great. So,
0: Yeah, good point. Again, it's all about communication. And I think um, you kind of hit the nail on the head when you said that in, in the past, when there, I don't know, maybe fewer long armors, I don't know what it was, but they just kind of quietly processed and what you got was what you got. Like before I did my own quilting, as little as nine or 10 years ago, I remember taking a quilt to a long armor and, you know, she gave me a thread choice color and a pattern from her book. But I didn't really get to see what size that pattern would be when she converted it to the size of my quilt. And I didn't, you know, I just wasn't involved. And just when it came back, I was either happy or not, you know. That's right. So I think you really have taken a big step forward in evolving that process and making it collaborative. Um, It's an honor to quilt other people's quilts. And I think we need to take that seriously.
1: Absolutely. Like, I when i used to take my quilts to a long arm quilter and let her choose i exactly i was happy or i was not happy or i liked the thread choice that she did or i didn't and i realized well this is my quilt and i need you to i need to be happy and so when a lot of customers come they would say yeah i want that large and loose well that's not necessarily my preference of what i would do but it is your quilt I, so you'd have to let me know that preference because i will still do it Whether I like it or not, it's your quilt, right? It's your
0: quilt. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. And then to, there are some clients that that just say, do what you like and make it beautiful. But, you know, we keep coming back to communication. I'm thinking of a lady who came in and said, you know, quilt whatever you want. And then a minute or two later, she says, you know, but I hate stippling. Okay, well, it might be good to say that to me. (laughs) You know what I mean? So it, it just comes around and around. Communicate, communicate. That's the best way for everyone to be happy with it.
1: Yes, I just even had a customer, she said, surprise me. And I said, now, what do you even mean by surprise me? Do you want me to pick out some pantographs and show you before? And then we can go from there? Or do you want to uh, me to pick out the density and the pattern and like what exactly are your expectations of surprise me? Because even that alone, like you said, people have their preferences. People will say, no, I don't like feathers. And you're like, well, then I needed to know that.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. It's it's one step up from saying, surprise me with the flavor you put in my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it has been so good visiting with you, Jen. I wonder if you have, before we go, a little nugget that you'd like to leave with our listeners. This can be a little piece of wisdom, you know, from home life or from quilting life, if you wish. Um, just something that you'd like to leave with us.
1: Um, well, I'm part of the Long Arm League, and uh, that's where I met you, Susan. But uh, the. Do you know what, Jen? There-
0: Let's take half a second and give the long arm league a nice little plug. Tell, tell our listeners what that's about.
1: Absolutely. Um, well, the long arm league is a bunch of long arm quilters across the world actually now. And, um, it's just a collaborative space that we can talk to other long arm quilters. Um, so it's, it becomes more of a universal language. Like, um, just it helps you with your business like you know there can be long-arm quilters that are confident and comfortable with the long-arming process but they don't know how to communicate or invoice or where to buy batting or backing it's just kind of a business source so um,
0: really it's a place to share each person shares their various expertise and you can go there to share or to learn or both
1: that's right and I've done a bunch with that so uh, like since joining the long arm league i've done a lot of um, mindset mindset work actually because um i like i said i feel like i'm an awkward person so (laughs) it's learning how to do all of those business aspects of the business right so um jess the that's the leader of the long arm league um she said to me quite a while ago when i first joined because I was nervous about a lot of different things and she said to me Jen just take imperfect action and uh that has carried through for all aspects of this of of my business and even in life because um I'm a person that likes perfection so And I demand that of myself, not of others, but of myself, I demand that. And uh, so oftentimes I wouldn't do things or produce things until I knew that they were perfect. Um, So taking that, that word, that imperfect action has really, really helped me just because it's kind of like, uh, it's like a push and plow. So you just go and you do, and then worry about fixing things afterwards,
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's true, and also it will it will work better next time. It will go easier next time as you're learning too. Well, see, Absolutely. you've got a word of wisdom right in there. But do you have anything else that you want to add? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, just have fun, right? Like yeah. <laughs> quilting's fun. Like it's it's a learning process. It's it's taking little steps. It, it doesn't matter if you're a beginner or an extreme advanced person. Um, just have fun with it. Like d- don't worry about quilt police. I'm not a quilt police so um, you know like I have people that are, are worried about uh, being a beginner and bringing quilts to me and I'm that's what I love teaching on Instagram is beginner quilters because y'all gotta start somewhere and I started somewhere so and my work wasn't perfect, but it was fun. So that's what I'm saying to everybody is just have fun.
0: I love it. Couldn't agree more. Well, thanks so much for joining me, Jen, today. It's been fun.
1: Thank you so much, Susan.
0: Thanks so much, my friend, for tuning in. If you're considering building a craft-based business, know that, like Jen, you can learn the things you need to know. You can grow and do things you've never done before. And yes, have fun doing it. Listen, if you have friends who you think would enjoy this podcast as well, would you take a moment and share Measure Twice, Cut Once with them? They can use their favorite listening app or go to podcast.stitchedbysusan.com to choose one. I'm Susan Smith, and until next time, may your sorrows be patched and your joys be quilted.